guys! Welcome to Brainstorm! This is the podcast where we tell you to throw your shit away. So trash your erasers and come with us through the storm of art making. Uh, I have a very special uh, friend on this podcast and I'm sure he would love to introduce himself. Who the fuck are you? Well, how dare you be so presumptive? I don't want to introduce myself. I didn't come here by choice. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you don't want to be my friend and then I was going to be really sad. Oh, no, (laughs) no. Okay, no. I am Garrett. Oh my god, our shit is switched. I am a, um, I'm not a monster enthusiast. I'm sorry. Like I could be if I wanted to be. Um... (laughs) But I'm actually a comic artist. I mean, I'm just not good at it, you know? I'm a comic artist. I'm an illustrator. I'm a bicon, bisexual icon. And, you know, I'm at peace. I might die tomorrow, and that's fine. Oh my god. Wow, we're just diving in today, aren't we? We're just getting it raw today. Fuck, just get it raw. Raw. God damn. Gordon Ramsay is going to like come on here and just scream at us about how raw this is right now. I'm an idiot sandwich. What are you? <laughs> well, I am Gato. I'm I'm the monster enthusiast. I'm an illustrator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have my shirt on backwards. <laughs> oh no. Did you just realize? Yeah, somebody pointed it out and I was like, "Oh, Well, it's just one of those days, you know? Who pointed it out? Because we're in quarantine. My my mother, mi madre, she was like, Caro, do you know your shirt's inside out? And I was like, well, I didn't, but now I do. But it's just, you know, it happens sometimes. It's just one of those days. I'm not... I'm not in public, so it doesn't fucking matter. Nothing matters. This is just the Twilight Zone right now. Yes, we could die tomorrow. (laughs) We could. We could. Oh, man. Damn. (laughs) Starting it off strong. Starting it off on a dark and bleak note. But we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna move up from here. We're gonna reject nihilism today. And we are going to tell you how to love yourself when the world does not. Fuck yeah. I mean, being in the arts is tough it's a rough life it's a hard knock life for us in the words of a little redhead stepchild um <laughs> art is regularly defunded ridiculed or considered unimportant yet without it our lives would suck trust me you all in quarantine would be bored out of your goddamn mind oh yeah amen yes we're gonna talk about how to stay afloat when the rest of the world tries to sink you survival mode bitches <laughs> so carlos how how do you stay afloat <laughs> well i mean i guess i should begin with you know some personal examples about how people have kind of tried to sink me in a way like as if my profession was a game of battleship or some shit Ooh. um so just a little background information about me. I used to be a biology major, actually, and I was going to pursue pre-med because I thought, well, being a doctor is what I just got to do. Wrong. And it was kind of what I was pressured to do. So at the young, tender age of 18, that is what I declared my major to be. 
Um, and I went to a regular college, I guess, for two years. And during those two years, I was pretty fucking miserable. <laughs> but it was really wild when I came to the conclusion that I really wanted to go to art school and then I wanted to pursue art as a career. People's attitude towards me changed radically. So before they were like, wow, you're going into biology and you want to be a doctor and that's awesome and so ambitious and so cool. And then when I told them I wanted to be an artist, there was always that kind of awkward pause. And then the first thing that came out of their mouth was, well, how are you going to support yourself? Like, are you sure about this? Are you sure? God. Like, like, it, like they treated it like it was the worst decision of my life. Like you were j- about to jump off a cliff? Yeah, yeah. I was actually scoffed at one time. I was at the airport and TSA asked me to declare, because I was traveling, asked me to declare like things about myself, what my major was. And I told them I was an art major. And the guy was like, <laughs> like he just scoffed at me. So, you know, people really don't take my profession seriously. And no matter how many times I explain to them what I majored in or what I'm interested in, people just think like I'm either a painter or a graphic designer, like no matter what. They're just like, oh yeah, so how's that graphic design going? And I'm like, I don't, I don't do that. God damn. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm an illustrator. It's really, at this point, it's pretty funny. Like I don't get offended yeah. by it anymore. Um, but yeah, so I've had some bad experiences. I've had a lot of people, you know, second guess me and just be concerned about my decisions. And there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of resistance to the idea of majoring in the arts or pursuing the arts because people think that it's a really unstable profession. Yeah. And I find that a lot of the time, the people who give you the most resistance are people who just don't understand the profession in the first place. Like they have a very narrow image of what art is. They just think like, whoa, you're just going to be a starving painter. Like that's, that's all that art is. Like you just cut off your ear and become a starving fucking painter and you die penniless and alone, which is not the truth. You can be very successful as an artist and have a very long, fulfilling life and keep both of your ears. You don't have to no. be Van Gogh. So no, you don't have to be <laughs> our boy Vinny. So, you know, it's it was really tough on me, especially because, you know, I was younger at the time. I was a teenager and I was going through a time in my life where I didn't I didn't know who I was and I was just following my intuition, like my deep gut feeling that this was something I had to do. And people who are less intuitive and less in tune with themselves didn't really understand that. They were like, Well, you're being irrational you know, you need to come up with, you need to be a little more logical and, you know, reasonable about this. Yeah, they thought, they thought you were making like an emotional decision. Yeah, like a super impulsive emotional decision when it was something that I had been thinking of and wanting for a long time. But on the outside, I guess to people, it really didn't appear that way. They thought like, I really just didn't have a plan. (laughs) So it was tough for sure. But I don't regret a second of it. I don't regret how it happened. I think it was important for me to have unfortunate experiences and to be, you know, miserable pursuing something that I didn't particularly like because it just cemented how much art is important to me and how it's something that I can't imagine myself without. Totally. You know, I can easily say that art saved my life. Yeah. This is a podcast not only about art, but also about mental health. And, you know, I have 
history with depression and especially when I was a teenager it was particularly bad and the only thing that really got me through was creativity you know not only ingesting art but creating it basking in it just using it as a crutch through my life it was kind of my escape through you know the the maelstrom of my upbringing and you know just navigating being gay in a unsupportive environment my parents were totally supportive like they didn't give a shit like my family was fine but you know I went to a religious school there was a lot of shame around being gay a lot of fear that people would find out about it you know there were a lot of personal things as well personal family things that were going on that were very negative so this all just and genetic predisposition and this just like came and made a giant perfect storm for me to be very sad so i really attribute the fact that i'm still here to art and it's yep yep it's true it's the truth and i know i'm not alone in this what do you feel art does for you from a depression and saving your life standpoint? Like, how exactly did art pull you out of those feelings? So, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that it was a distraction. So it was, it was, it was interesting because it was a double-edged sword, right? It was not only a distraction, but it was also a way to kind of face and channel my feelings in a way that felt safe. So... For example, and I use art in a broad term. So I also mean like media and entertainment. So like, for example, I consider video games to be an art. I consider it to be an art form. So I escaped into that. I escaped into books. I escaped into personal writing. I escaped into, you know, TV shows, animations, etc. But I also escaped into my own art. So, you know, I would create these monsters I guess in these disturbing images because it was a way of kind of releasing the the inner darkness in me um I don't mean that in like an edgelord emo way but just you know the sadness and the difficulties and you know the confusion and the feeling of isolation and I still do that today like for example this quarantine you know has given me a lot of feelings of anxiety and feeling trapped and I've expressed that through my paintings but Art is a really powerful way to tap into your feelings, especially if you're a person who feels like they can't express it verbally or you're not in a safe space to express it verbally. You don't have access to a therapist maybe or maybe your family is unsupportive or maybe you're just in an environment where being open and honest about your feelings are punished. Art can be a safe space. A safe space and also a distraction. And you don't you don't even have to be an artist to enjoy the escapism that art brings, right? Like I said, I consider games to be an art form. I consider TV and dance and graphic design and video editing and all these things, they're all an art form. Yeah. Any kind of creativity. So it's not limited to just one thing. But I think the important thing to remember here is that you can't remember, you can't, you can't control what people say about you. And you can't control what people think about your profession or your hobbies or your passions for art. Like they might ridicule you. Maybe they support you. Maybe they say negative things. Maybe they say positive things. But the important thing to remember is that that is not a reflection on you. That's a reflection on them. You can't control people's feelings. You can't control what they say. But you can control how you feel about them. Yeah. And how you respond to them. 
whether you internalize those things or you just kind of wipe them off and say, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. You know, it's like the, the metaphor of a boat on water. Boat can float until the water gets inside. So you can go and float along until the negative shit and, um, you know, the negative comments that people make get inside, right? And I mean, of course, that's easier said than done. I'm not going to unvalidate people who struggle with, you know, people's opinions and feeling insecure and feeling, you know, internalizing these things because it's really hard, especially when those things come from uh, an authority figure. Maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a best friend, people whose opinions you value. It's, it's tough. It's tough when they don't support you. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. On that same topic, I think that's a that is usually the source of for me you know the world not loving me is very much like art was the answer to that but I think that the world can also not love your art um and I think that that is a separate problem I am grateful that I did have like parents who were supportive of me going to art school but you know they were hesitant and I'm lucky that um that my dad tried to do research. He really made an effort to reassure himself. Um, like we went on this trip, uh, like a college visiting road trip, like kind of like classic one, you know? And we <laughs> we went up to New York and it was like a really cool time. And I think that it, it you know, what was going on at the time, I think had a lot to do with reassuring him. Like, when we went to New York, my work was being published in a Copic advertisement on the back of a magazine. And we went to, so it cool. was, it was a cool and surreal time. I was like 17, but we went to like this Barnes and Noble, like Barnes and Noble in New York, like right down the street from Times Square. And the magazine was on the third floor. My art was on the back. It was just like this crazy and really cool moment to be able to get that in such a cool place. And then we went after after that, we went on a tour of Parsons and that was my reach school. So on the tour, my dad was kind of like, you know, like trying not to seem ignorant um, to our tour guide, which was cool and nice and he was like so you know I don't want to sound like the cliche dad that's like not down to send his kid to art school but what kinds of words of reassurance do you have for a parent who is uncertain and doesn't understand this profession so luckily the tour guide out of his back pocket like we're literally pretty much in Times Square like we're just very close we can see advertisements and screens from the school and um I think we actually were outside and you know we're just close enough that we could see them in you know if, if we looked up into the sky and he was like basically like have you been to Times Square like have you seen that over there and my dad was like yeah like we were just there the other morning and he was like well Everything, every advertisement, every, you know, sign built, every building, every fucking like <laughs> scrap was designed and or was drawn, was created, had to be created from the ground up by an artist. And that like blew my dad's mind. <laughs> yes! So, yes! um, 
it was it was great and that was the beginning um you know of me going to art school but then on the other side of the coin i said i was lucky to have supportive parents like on the other end of that though when i didn't get a job immediately after scad like my dad has just straight up told me he is disappointed in me and disappointed in the school like so i mean obviously i reassured him it's it's very much like i don't know i feel like every artist kind of has something to prove to their parents and that is a real knock to like your self-esteem like it's hard to just if people don't have the confidence in your profession it feels like they don't have the confidence in you and it's definitely separate and you have to kind of be a little bit you know try to separate those things like decipher those things and be like oh you know my dad is disappointed this didn't work out my dad is disappointed that he feels like the school let me down and didn't provide enough resources so yeah i do think there's this like quest to fulfill your parents and make yourself valid in your ascent into artisthood i think we live in a society we live in a society <laughs> where our jobs feel inseparable from our identity right people will introduce themselves as well i'm a doctor or i'm a lawyer or i'm a graphic designer whatever the case may be before they introduce any aspect of themselves so it's it's pretty wild and i think art especially suffers from this because art even if it is, even if you are a professional, even if you do commercial stuff, it's still so intrinsic and such a part of you and such a personal prof profession that I think sometimes it can be really, really hard to separate yourself from your art making. So like you said, when you kind of quote unquote fail as an artist, you feel like you failed as a person or a human being. And unfortunately, again, we live in a society that values money and jobs and success so much that when you don't have those things, you feel like shit. I mean, I can absolutely attest to that. I was like, well, I gotta get an internship or a job right out of school. If not, I'm a failure. And life really just punched me in the face and didn't let me do that. <laughs> because like, as I've said on other episodes, I had lots of health issues um, that prevented me from just diving right into an internship or a job. And it took a while to recover from them. So now I have, you know, a fun gap in my resume. Um <laughs> which makes it kind of more difficult to break into the industry that I want to because people are like, well, what the fuck did you do for, <laughs> for like one or two years? And I'm like, ah, you don't really want to talk about that kind of stuff. Ironically, I'm talking about it right now, but I feel like, you know, I want to be an advocate for people who are in the similar position, who, you know, life just kind of took away these opportunities from them. Um, and now they're in the pickle of, well, I feel like shit because, you know, I had a disability or I have a disability or I had a medical condition or I have a medical condition and I'm unable to work at the moment because of those things. You know, I really just want to validate that feeling of, you know, sometimes you just feel defective or you're like, why, why, why me? Like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, or sometimes you blame yourself for getting yourself into that position. And I just really encourage you to 
love yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is inherently deserving of love. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It's not determined by your success or lack of success or however you want to define it. It's just an intrinsic part of being a human being that you are worthy and capable and deserving of love no matter where you're at right now. Um, but I feel like that isn't told to people enough. And they feel like in order to be loved or in order to get approval or in order to feel in control of their lives, that they need to be successful in the eyes of others. And it's a really sad, really heartbreaking position to be in. Yeah. Or to feel in control, dye their hair. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I just had like a pseudo Britney Spears meltdown moment and I almost shaved my whole head. I mean, I just cut it really short, but... To me, that's how I deal with, like, feeling out of control or feeling anxious. I just, like, fuck up my head. I thought you just dyed it back to the regular color and it was, like, the same length and everything. No, no, I actually cut it. I, I cut off all of the um, all of the red bits and the, the long bits. So, yeah, as soon as my dyeing stuff comes in, um, I'm going to dye it all red. So I'm really excited for that. Hell yeah. Red as fuck. Just fire engine red. Yes. I want to look like a stop sign. (laughs) Just stop people in their tracks. Yes. Yes. That is my goal. Speaking of stopping yourself in your tracks, whenever you feel these thoughts come up, these thoughts of inadequacy or these thoughts of like, well, I'm not good enough. Um, I feel like shit about myself. I'm a bad person because I don't have a job. Or maybe you just feel bad for being an artist in the first place. Maybe you feel bad, and I can attest to this personally. I felt like, well, why can't I have more productive interests, quote unquote? Why can't I just, like, be content with a normal profession, quote Why am I... Yeah, I know. It was it was so terrible. I was so brainwashed by people who just wanted me to have, like, a secure, quote unquote, job. Which, by the way... I guess unless you're an engineer or a technical worker or a programmer or a a funeral director, like I feel like there are no really stable, dependable jobs. So you might as well go into the arts. Like, in fact, it's kind of ironic that right now during the quarantine, freelancers and I feel like artists um, have a lot of job stability right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is so ironic. The whole situation is so ironic. Like I was just, I was talking to my friends the other day and I was just like, yeah, like my friends I know who are like real adults with real jobs are, have been like furloughed and all this shit. And I have an art job and am like fine. And I am just so, yeah, shook by that. It's pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, I guess speaking of the current situation, I mean, if you're grinding and if you are doing your job or your due diligence, which is being an artist, and the world has just fallen away, rare, but as we've seen in 2020, it can happen. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it won't happen again. What do you do when the time isn't right? Like, I mean, and a way that this can mirror the real world if we ever do get back to it is that sometimes places just aren't hiring. Like sometimes it's not the right time, you know? Yeah, sometimes you just can't control the circumstances. Like a fucking global pandemic. Uh, And that's not a reflection on you. You're not in control of the situation. This is a completely external thing unrelated to your efforts. So, yeah. 
sometimes it's just not the right time and that's okay yes but don't give up either you know even if situation feels you know adversarial or unpleasant or just you feel like the world is absolutely against you you can always take refuge in your art and you know I firmly believe that art is a it's kind of a passion it's kind of an addiction right it's something that I feel like a lot of non-artists just don't understand you know really embrace that aspect of art just lose yourself in it when and control your little world when the rest of the world is out of control so um yeah but i know that you had said kato just kind of like love yourself if the world isn't ready for you by doing it anyway and don't give up and you know on the other end sometimes you do need a breather sometimes you are trying for not sometimes you need to change your direction has that ever happened to you before where when I mean but I don't think you should have to change yourself for employers too much you know what I mean yeah I feel like you should always kind of gravitate towards jobs that you know really pick up on your talents and um help you become a better artist um and you know grab projects that really inspire you because I think if you try to be someone you're not and you diversify too much, it can kind of water down your portfolio and people will be like, well, I don't really know like what you do. Exactly. It confuses people. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, don't be afraid to try new things and diversify in a way that makes sense to you, right? Like I'm, and you might find yourself realizing that, hey, maybe your profession right now or your area of art isn't necessarily right for you and that you would excel in a different profession. So, and that's that's all okay, but you have to be open and honest with yourself, which I think is such an important part of art making. You have to really be in tune with yourself and kind of in tune with the world and realize what you're good at, what your strengths yeah. are, and what your weaknesses are. And it's nothing to be ashamed about, of course. And sometimes you'll just you'll just never be necessarily capable or adept at doing something. Like, it just won't jive with you. Like, for example, I can't do cute shit or cartoony shit to save my life. Like, my... But you can, though! Oh, I hate it. I hate every second of it. And it feels, like, disingenuous. Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't jive with me. But our... Um, but our graphic... It... Oh, I know. I know. I enjoyed doing that one. But at the same time, it, it was like I felt... Like I was in opposition to my natural style and it was challenging. So I know personally, I mean, I guess, you know, never say never, but okay, yeah. at the current moment, I know personally I could never continually draw in that style because it would just take too much. It would just make me someone that I'm not and attract jobs that I wouldn't enjoy because it's just not me. So it's like if you're a comic artist, do comic art. If you're a concept artist, do concept art. If you're an illustrator, don't go off and, I don't know, do animation. Like, don't join, like, a 3D animation studio, you know? Like, I mean, unless you're really uh, passionate and driven to do that. But if you're not, it's like, why are you pursuing something that 
you're not really fond of. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Brooke, my my current roommate, shed some light on their like job looking, you know, looking for job process. And once they shared this, it kind of shed some light on what I was doing because when I was in Ohio, you know, you guys know I was like looking for jobs that weren't really right for me, like design jobs, and just wasn't really getting anywhere with that. And Brooke had this like aha moment when they met with this design because they were on this track to get like a graphic design job and was just talking to them for like advice but also kind of maybe like a pseudo interview and Brooke was very candid about how like they did not do design work they did not go to school for design and the farther they went down this like conversation this guy was just like so do you even want to do this like do you even want this job do you even want to do design and Brooke just kind of had this light bulb go off that was just kind like not really <laughs> and so I think it is like and in that moment that guy was just like okay like this is not the job for you like don't apply like don't apply to jobs you don't want um and I think a lot of times we just think we are stuck with or don't deserve like we're stuck with jobs that aren't related to us and maybe we don't deserve jobs that are and like, you know, that's not the case. It's rare, but it's possible to find a job that aligns with you. And the only way to make that happen is to make your portfolio suit your work. Um, also, I just want to like iterate that it is no one's responsibility but yours to like flaunt your stuff and be into your own work. And it's okay if you take a job that you're not like super into because I firmly believe that nothing is wasted right every experience is important and every experience kind of builds you to where you need to be so even if you end up in a job that maybe isn't super suited for you or maybe that you don't like you can learn something from it and you know like I said um, you can't control what happens to you most of the time but you can control your response to it so you can be like moody and, and surly and unhappy about what you've done, or you can kind of look at it from the lens of, well, what did I learn from this? And how can I, even if I didn't like it, is there anything salvageable from this? Like, can I apply this somewhere else? So, you know, for example, like, let's say you're a comic artist, but you do take a graphic design job. Like there are things that you can take from graphic design. You can take color schemes, you can take hierarchy of information, you can take graphics, you know, how to maybe brand yourself, how to brand your comic, how to make page layouts so they're aesthetically pleasing and easy to read. So even though it's not necessarily in your field, quote unquote, you can still take things from it. Yeah. And make yourself a better artist. Uh, for example, like I, even though I'm not a sculptor, you know, I like to sculpt on the side sometimes, which is super sculpty. I really, really enjoyed ZBrush. And I found that dabbling with ZBrush and dabbling with 3D um, or super sculpty and stuff, it really improved my ability to draw because not only did I make a model that I could turn around and use as reference, but it also made me think about the dimensionality of things. And it made me a better painter because now I know where the planes of the face are, where shadows fall etc. So again, even though it's not my job, it's not the primary thing that I do, it was really helpful to me. Yeah, from like an, a note that is even less related to 
art. I got to Portland and just like didn't have an art job even starting out. You know, I had like a service job and it was so freeing to come to a new place and be able to reinvent yourself completely. You know, in terms of the reinvention, I just kind of was like, I'm just gonna be the self that I authentically feel inside, you know, and like within two weeks, everyone there knew I liked Lady Gaga, everyone there knew I liked MIA, like everyone, (laughs) (laughs) everyone just like, knew my sense of humor and the type of person I was and the fact that I didn't really take things too seriously and played off of that. And I also felt super comfortable there. And I was inspired by people there because I have had many service jobs. And in a lot of them, the people I work with have no ambitions whatsoever. But a lot of people here have a hustle and I can relate to that. And, you know, maybe they are artists as well or are are into something else. But it was so cool to be in a social environment where I could meet new people who were into the same things as me or similar things because like there are you know Portland is just kind of like a a hub of my personality type it just INFPs fucking everywhere so (laughs) it was yeah it was pretty great um and you know, rather than like be surly about the fact that I just like didn't have a job in my quote unquote profession, it was so freeing during that time to like not really even have to worry about it. And it gave me so much experience in being myself, knowing what that looks like, and also gave me experience talking to people and like providing quality customer service. Like it is such a busy goddamn place. And, you know, we'll be showing like movies that have a hundred people in them, having a hundred people long line and just like literally talk to a hundred different people in the span of like fucking 30 minutes. And the kind of experience that that provides in terms of like your social skills and being able to talk to people and like satisfy people also while being yourself and being in an environment where your employees don't like drag you down for saying something funny or weird or wild like everyone we're all adults here it's basically like a movie theater bar so it totally built up my confidence so that when I did interview for a job that was in my profession I didn't feel like a little weasel who has like never spoken in his life (laughs) (laughs) that's so true I feel like retail and service jobs can just teach you so much about people skills collaboration and patience Sometimes they also rob you of your faith in humanity, but that's okay. Yes, and that does happen. <laughs> it's not the only job that does that, but like I can I can attest that too. You know, I had a retail job and I talked to a lot of people on Black Friday and, you know, around the holidays and I learned to deal with a variety of people, you know, in various moods and various states of mind. So I feel like now I can kind of just talk to anybody. I also, in the past, used to do a lot of volunteer work, tutoring. I tutored a little bit of SAT, tutored elementary school graders and, you know, high schoolers and all that stuff. And at first glance, you would look at it and be like, okay, well, what does math and English tutoring have to do with art? But now I've taken those skills that I developed over the course of um, tutoring people. And now I'm a personal art instructor. And if I hadn't had that experience and hadn't had that training, I don't think I would have been as effective as I am now. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I just think that no matter 
how quote unquote irrelevant of a job you can still in the back of your mind like try to make it relevant for you yeah and i think that it's in terms of like your own work and having the confidence to like sell yourself even if people aren't responding to it like it's no one's responsibility but yours to be into what you're doing um so you just gotta kind of like walk the walk and a lot of times people won't respond to something because they like what they recognize and they like what they've seen before so it's like you kind of have to put something in a little bit of a box that makes people be like, oh, that's like what this is, or this is like kind of who this person is. And people respond to like things that they already know. Like, for example, there's this RuPaul quote that says, if you like money, wear a suit because people work with what they already know. And if you are dressed for that position, that's what people will respond to. And that's what people will give to you. So, you know, Maybe you're an artist that is blazing a new trail. It's not your responsibility to change yourself entirely to fit into a market like we just talked about, but um, you can definitely implement elements of recognizability while standing out so that people still respond to you. Oh yeah, you can absolutely take advantage of certain social norms and expectations and build an identity around that or build a brand around that without necessarily changing yourself too much, right? You don't want to become a completely different person. You still want to have aspects of your personality and your interests shine. Yes, totally. And I, I feel like as an artist, you can get away with so much shit because people expect us to be eccentric and expect us to be kind of off the wall and weird. Yeah. And that's so... I love that quote that it's no one's responsibility but yours to be into your own work. That's so fucking true. I've experienced that a lot because my work is on the darker side of things. It's kind of can be disturbing at points. People are unsettled by it. It's not like cute and readily accessible by people. And I've kind of been in a lot of scenarios where people are like, okay like you can tell they really don't like it or I uh I remember talking to an illustrator or sorry illustration company a book company and I showed them my portfolio and they were like well that's not really what we're looking for and the lady just had this absolutely disgusted look on her face oh man and at the time I was younger uh-huh yeah it was bad <laughs> at the time I was younger and you know that kind of really hurt and i was like well maybe i need to just change my style maybe i just need to change who i am because what i do is not commercially friendly and people do not like it and i wasn't getting any responses on tumblr i really wasn't doing well on social media so i was like fuck like there's something wrong with me like <laughs> you know but now i think i just would have been like whatever <laughs> you know i feel pretty confident in my art and i feel like it's kind of just my way or the highway. Like, if you don't like it, fuck you. Like, I don't care. I kind of take pride in the fact that my work can elicit certain emotions and make people respond so strongly, even if it is a negative emotion. You know, all all, all press is good press, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like there will always be a niche for you, right? It's just a matter of finding it. And that kind of brings me to a point where community is so fucking important. 
finding people kind of with your same interests who are supportive of you, even if your styles are absolutely different, you know, finding a community of artists that are all kind of in the same boat, that all kind of have the same struggles that you can talk to um, is so fucking important because I feel like when you're alone experiencing these things, it can be a major blow and it can be really difficult. So finding a community that loves you and supports you no matter what really can help you stay afloat during like really difficult times. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, when I was just by myself in Ohio, I had the best Westerns like um, group <laughs> that I would like turn to of people from all across the country. Gato was in it, Brooke was in it, some other friends, Chester, Gigi, Jade, like just had a bunch of people that I could go to who were in my same position of being recent graduates and trying to figure out how to navigate life after school. And it shed a lot of light into a very dark time. Yeah, so community can totally help to build you up. Yeah, and backtracking a little, like, in terms of standing out, too. I don't think it, you know, it's not a bad thing to stand out. And if you're ever in Kato's position of being like, oh, like... I, people aren't responding to me, so I must be doing something wrong. So many quotes about, like, about people, like, if, if people hate you, or if people laugh at you, you're probably doing something right. I think that's a quote by Amy Lee <laughs> from Evanescence. <laughs> um, if people are making fun of you, it's probably because you're doing something right. And it's so true, because a lot of people don't have the bravery to be bold or brave, or experiment in untraveled areas or you know people often want to take you down if something that you're doing is bold and powerful and makes them uncomfortable yeah no i i mean i feel like you can you should take it as a compliment when people are like i hate your art or i hate ah or have a really strong reaction to it because art i think partially is about eliciting strong feelings in people, whether good, quote unquote, or bad, quote unquote, making them think, making them uncomfortable. You know, there's that quote that's like, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Yes, I love that quote. I love that quote. And so true. Kind of, if you can spin these things into something complimentary, I feel like that can help with your experience. Oh, hell yeah. And kind of lessen the blow. I would like to piggyback off something that you said earlier. I don't think you even realized this came out of your mouth, but um, you were talking about getting away with things in art. And there is a quote which states that art is anything you can get away with. And I think... Part of the reason why I like art so much is it really, like, brings out my, like, chaotic little demon devil horn side. Yes. And, like, any desire I have felt to be bad or if I'm angry or if I'm, like, upset or if I just, like, want to bring havoc unto the world, like, I usually turn to art (laughs) and... Like, I don't know, an example of that is when I was in college my first year, I just like, there was this, we had to do a fucking 3D assignment and I'm so bad at 3D art. So I filled up all these cups of water and stacked them on top of each other. And it was really hard. I was trying to be like a fucking contemporary artist and do something like weird that was like three dimensional and was like, quote unquote, art, like where people shit on canvases and stuff. So I was like, (laughs) I'm gonna do something difficult and like, 
<laughs> fill up all these glasses of water and stack them on each other and then gradate the color red out from the center with food coloring. So I did that and it pushed a lot of buttons. A lot of people did not like it. And I got a lot of comments like, what is this Kool-Aid like doing in the art room? And a big part of that is because I... <laughs> big part of that is because I didn't <laughs> I didn't take it down for a long long time because I was it was eliciting a reaction that I really liked and because it wasn't really something that I pride myself on like I don't really like care about my technique like I don't really care if someone calls it Kool-Aid because I know it's not you know like if it was a drawing I might be like oh you've just like stabs me in my confidence like my heart but people hated it and frankly I didn't really fucking like it either so but it started a conversation and someone uh, a teacher actually put like please take this down um with an arrow to my sculpture because it was up for like two months and then people people like someone started a conversation and like put a little sticky note underneath it and they were like no i like it like this looks like some delicious ass kool-aid and then people just kept <laughs> having a conversation with post-it notes above it it was like really cool um and for me that's what the art was like the art wasn't the cups and the fucking Kool-Aid, but it was people's emotional reactions in the way that it started a conversation, you know, about what art is and isn't. I love that so fucking much. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, um, oh, was it Duchamp or whatever? The fucker who, like, got a urinal and... I think he turned it upside down and he called it art. Yeah. Like it makes me so mad, but it's a good piece of art because it makes me so mad and it's sparked so many conversations about what art actually is. So sometimes it can be good to have, for people to have a shitty reaction to your art. Totally. All press is good press. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that idea of that. So that really redefined what art is. And I mean, if you look back on art history, how many artists were shunned and ridiculed and just been like what the fuck are you doing that are now famous today yeah right like the impressionists were ridiculed by people who did more realistic art who were more traditional they were like what the fuck is this shit <laughs> like, yes. what are you doing so and and on and on ad nauseum you know so don't cut off your ears quite yet Hell yeah. Like, it's okay to have for people to have bad reactions to your art. You don't control what they say about you, but you can control how to react to them and you can control how you feel about it. Yeah. I love your like water in the boat metaphor. That was like super cool. <laughs> it's not mine. I've heard it before and I was like, damn, that's some solid shit right there. Like, I like that. It totally is. Um, yeah. And like another way to stand out, I would say like, in the case of like getting jobs and like with employers and stuff is like, I feel similar to you where like cartoony does not feel like my wheelhouse, but I made a leave behind that was based on a piece that was really outside of my like comfort zone. And it was like a really cartoony comic. And I had an interview and left it behind and it really made me stand out and they thought it was cute. So 
it really helped, you know, with my getting the process of getting a job. So, you know, just making making little stuff and being generous and using your art as a gift can totally make you stand out in the job getting process. There were a lot of people like who were like, you should make fucking I think I think one of our advisors, one of our career advisors was like, you should make an eraser topper out of your art, but make it like a fucking animation reel that when you shine a light through it and spin it, makes it so they can watch an animation. And I'm just like, who the fuck, who the fuck has the time for that? How, how can you even do that? Like, I don't know. She had some pretty out there suggestions, but the sentiment was in the right place, you know, that you can kind of whip some shit out your back pocket and stand out and make that a really positive thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Takeaways are really, really cool and really important because people like getting free shit. Exactly. And what's cooler than like being the only one that gave them something and like you're now in the back of their minds and especially for like the tinier jobs like that people do not do that all the time especially for whittle teensy jobs like i think i thought those leave behinds would be helpful in a studio setting and all of that but like that's an industry job that's like an industry kind of standard of being interviewed by those types of people but since i was teaching related to my skill they really responded to that and i don't think anyone had really done that you know so it's a tinier place so yeah it was it was helpful and maybe you can think of a way to break outside the bounds with industry jobs that might be able to help you know, you seal the deal. I mean, we could do an entire episode about marketing and all that good stuff. But yeah, like I said, there will always be someone who appreciates your art. Somebody, there are so many billions of people on this planet. One of them is bound to enjoy what you do. Yes. At least one, right? (laughs) So you're not alone in this. There will always be a community for you. Yes. So don't stop seeking it. Totally. You know, if if your art is not understood right now, if it's not received well, it's it might just be a matter of time, right? People just might not be prepared for it. But again, like I said, there will always be somebody who takes an interest in it and who enjoys it. And the fact that we have the internet now, we can reach so many different types of people from all over the world. Whereas, you know, people in our history didn't have that luxury. They were kind of stuck in their circle of acquaintances or maybe a city or, or, or something like that. So, you know, their, their art was not a global phenomenon. Whereas now you can reach so many different people. So you have a greater chance of being appreciated. Very true. Yes. And a very positive way to look at social media competition. Oh, God. Oh, social media. Yeah. Social media can be tough. Yes. Amen. Well, um, Gato, is there anything else that you want to share? I think it's important in tough times to kind of make an emergency kit for yourself. So, and what I mean by that is something that you can look back on when you're feeling really, 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 really shitty about your art, really shitty about the state of things um, in general. Make a list of how art is important. Make a list about how art has influenced you and gotten you through tough times, the kind of art that you enjoy, and just a list of favorite media. And whenever you're feeling like shit about yourself, just look back on it and be like, wow, like, look at all this stuff. 
<laughs> you know, look at how important art is and just continually remind yourself of that. And don't let water get into your boat. Yeah. Don't drown, Beach. Get all that water out of there. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's going to be it from us today, y'all. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Remember to brainstorm. We love you. Yeah, we love you. If anyone else, we love you. So, you know. Amen. Yeah. Catch you guys next time. Stay safe out there. Stick with it, y'all. Bye. Bye.